Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you don't make a will, then if we leave aside financial assets, however large or small, as a mother, and I know this is relevant to all of us who are listening on Dope Black Mums, um, if you have children who are under the age of 18, you forego the right to decide who will have legal responsibility for them if you pass away. Orphaned children, so children who've lost their mum and their dad, and there was no will in place, so they had to effectively, you know, they might have gone into care, they've gone into the court system in a more, um, a more powerful way than perhaps if there was a will, there's an emotional and psychological impact I've read that happens to the children where there wasn't wills prepared because there's almost a sense of why didn't my parents... You didn't think about me. Exactly. Right, that's heartbreaking. You are listening to the The Dope Dope Black Moms podcast. So grateful to have you both here with me tonight. I have Rachel (laughs) Adetiton. I think I pronounced that completely wrong. Um, Wills and estate planner, and you're specialising in wills and estate planning. Uh, Dope Black Mum of One, and Ifoma, uh, Black Mum of Three, Life Coach for Mothers, and joining me on the podcast today. I think I've butchered both your names. I'm really, no, really it's sorry. great. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, Rachel and I, um, I think, no word of a lie, I've been trying to talk for maybe six months, but like working mum's life was just against us. Um, so, I'm just grateful. You both could be here today and we're finally making this happen. This is um, a big topic for me. It scares me. It um, feels big. It feels like a mountain. It feels like money. It feels like paperwork. It feels like long words I'm not going to understand. I know it's all important. I'm trying to be a good person. In the back of my head, it's always niggling that I'm not doing it. Um, so basically, I brought you on here to, to hold myself accountable, if nothing else. Because I want to get, I want to get these things in place. So I wanted to talk about the importance of making a will and the documents a mother should have in place so that their loved ones are properly provided for. I know it's a lot to cover, but the aim of the conversation is to inform black mothers on how to protect their wealth and transfer their wealth tax efficiently when they have passed away. So, Rachel. Go. Where do we start? (laughs) First of all, I love it. I think it's a great conversation to have. Um, And actually, how you feel in terms of making a will is not uncommon to how a lot um, of young black mothers and black people in general feel about making a will. So you're effectively in good company. So it's great that we're having this conversation because actually... Black people, I think, collectively really don't talk about money and wealth um, as much as we should, number one. And also, in my experience, what I've found as an estate planner, I've been doing this for over 11 years and I have my own business, is that actually this is not something that we're used to within our own households or within our own families. So there's no, there's never been this conversation, you know, um, between mums and dads and wider families Mm -hmm. about making a will or being in a position to receive an inheritance. So it's like a fresh time for us, for for our community to be in a space where we've got the wealth to even think about. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then also, um, I think some of the part, um, what's added to that is like black people, I think collectively can be quite religious or spiritual. Yeah. And connected to that is this idea of if you speak about making your will, you're tempting fate. Right. So there are all these negative connotations that come with, oh, you know, you're making me think that my life is not infinite. If I make a will, am I, you know, am I attracting something negative into my life? Um, and so these are structures and thoughts that we have before we even start thinking about making a will. And that's why oftentimes we don't make a will and we know, you know, we all know of somebody who's passed away. And there hasn't been a will when it's just been absolutely awful, okay? Mm -hmm. 
these are not the same problems that I see when I'm giving advice to um, non-black families, if I'm mm. honest with you, or non-black individuals. So without out of the way, <laughs> what I would say, first of all, and I'll, I'll go into it, but making a will is a really simple and straightforward process there is almost nothing to be afraid of it doesn't take long and whatever the cost of the will let me tell you that it is far more expensive to not have one for your family members if somebody passes away and there isn't a will and that's because I often see family fall out on the other side I often see families locked out of collecting money um from the estate of somebody who's died, and that's it. If the that's particularly relevant if the estate is quite small, mm-hmm. um, and um, I also see people inheriting that perhaps um, the deceased person wouldn't have wanted to inherit. Perhaps they were estranged. You know, you, you grew up without your mum or you grew oh, up without your dad, right. and if you haven't made a will, so it like can... a technicality. Yes. Gosh. So if I just start at the beginning, if you don't make a will. And yes, you pass away. Talk about. Yeah. Yes. There are predetermined predetermined rules and laws that will determine who inherits your estate. Okay. Um, and like I said, it could be that someone inherits that you wouldn't have intended for them to, and it could be that people you want to provide for don't receive the amount you want, or they don't receive anything at all. Okay. So a will, in the very first instance, is the most effective way to state who you want to be the beneficiaries of the money that you have of the property that you own of the savings that you've acquired okay if you don't make a will the government will decide that for you number two if you don't make a will then if we leave aside financial assets however large or small as a mother and I know this is relevant to all of us who are listening on dope black mums um, if you have children who are under the age of 18 you forego the right to decide who will have legal responsibility for them Ooh, away. that's a big one yeah. and I really want to hone in on this because there are studies that show orphaned children so children who've lost their mum and their dad and there was no will in place. So they had to effectively, you know, they might have gone into care. They've gone into the court system in a more um, a more powerful way than perhaps if there was a will. There's an emotional and psychological impact, I've read, that happens to the children where there wasn't wills prepared because there's almost this sense of, why didn't my parents... Didn't think about me. Oh, exactly. Right. So then is it not, it's not as easy then for an auntie or an uncle to say okay, you know, there was no will, you can come and stay with me. Does the government then also decide what happens to your, to your yes. child? Wow. So, the, so the, how it works is that if where you're dealing with orphan children, um, it's always going to have to go via the roots of the family court. So they will make the ultimate decision as to who has legal responsibility for the child. Right. But if you have a will, then the courts will 95% of the time, let's say, rely upon what you've stated in your will. Okay, you've said this person, this person has agreed, therefore it's, it's, it's done and dusted by and large, but they still have to go through the legal process of being appointed their legal guardian. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a will, then there's no reference for the courts to refer to. And so they will have to make that decision in the absence of any reference. So it's just more of a difficult process for guardians to be appointed and somebody could be appointed that maybe perhaps you wouldn't have wanted mm-hmm. um, because you haven't put anything in place to say who's going to raise my children. Um, so so that's really key. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say that I have clients who have lost parents when they were young, really young, you know, um, two, three, there might have been a car accident. And so immediately upon having children or becoming pregnant, they've made a will because they've seen the good or the bad effects of there being right. a will or not being a will in place. Okay. Yes, that's really important. So it's, it's not, and I understand I'm a mum. So I understand nobody wants to think about that. That's it. I don't nobody, want to think about it. And it also feels big. It feels yes, scary. Yes, yeah. yes. But, and this is where it comes down to again, the process doesn't take long. You should yeah. have somebody to hold your hand through it. And yeah. actually, it's good to just get it down and get it out and know it's done. It's not going to be something that takes six months to achieve. Okay. Um, it's literally just a matter of weeks. And you'll be told at the outset, or you should be certainly, what you need to think about. You'll be given some guidance during a meeting. And then you make a decision as to who you want to be the guardians. I know that amongst my family, 
who have made their wills. I've been appointed as a guardian. Um, I was a while ago. I don't know if I still am now. They might have updated their books. But, you know, back in the day, I was appointed as guardian of their children. And, you know, guess what? I haven't needed to act as a guardian. But if, God forbid, you know, the provisions are in place to make sure their their loved ones are are. are are, are cared for by someone that they would entrust to raise their children. So I'm saying that to say it doesn't tempt fate. It's just you adulting, dare I say, um, doing the hard things that we're supposed to do for our kids, but for the betterment of our, you know, of our family at the end of the day. Adulting, like pure yeah. adulting. And I'm like <laughs> just trying to hide from it. But yeah, no, that that is all clear. And yeah, we all know people and we've all lost loved ones. And it, yeah. it makes so much sense, everything you're saying. Yeah, I still haven't done it. I know, I know. I think it's, I yeah, it's a hard thing to get your head around. Yeah. Um, and like you said, Rachel, I think in just black culture, it's something yes. that I guess, because we're not used to it. Yes. Um, maybe, you've, you know, growing up, it's something, you know, you sort of heard talks about, yeah. you know, it would be easier. But, you know, when my, when my granddad passed away, um, he refused. He was sick, you know, and, and mm. you know, they sort of said it wasn't going to be long. And, um, you know, everyone was sort of saying, do you have a will? And he did not want to talk about it. He mm. didn't want to address it at mm. all. And he was like, everything's mm. going to go to my wife. And mm. um, obviously that wasn't quite the mm. way because then you have to go through probate and things mm. like that. And I think just mm. people understanding the difficulties mm. afterwards yeah. of just the process you know it's, it's yeah. quite hard and it takes a long time as well yeah. as a community and it starts in the home individually we have to normalize things like making your will things like talking you know growing your wealth because they're all interconnected you almost can't have one yeah. without the other there's no way whereby if you are conscious and because this is all about wealth you know um and it's about generational wealth and i'm a big advocate of this it's a new era for us, but at the moment we're behind. We're falling so far behind in terms of other racial groups, in terms of transferring wealth and creating that generational wealth and sustaining that generational wealth. We are falling so far behind. There's figures, I think. Um, I always let people know this if anyone you know bothers to ask me and, and cares to be sat around for 30 minutes so I can lecture them. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, the it, the average in rate of inheritance amongst uh, white the, the the white ethnic racial group is around three thousand pounds. The closest to them um, are Asian Indians, so Indians of you know Indian ethnicity. Mm-hmm. I think they're around just under two thousand pounds, and then right at the bottom. I'm um, getting nervous already. Yeah, right at the the average inheritance for somebody who is of Black Caribbean racial ethnicity is is less than eight hundred pounds. And for if you're Black African, I think it was Pakistani or Bangladeshi, there is no rate, there is no amount because you're likely to inherit nothing. Okay. Wow. And all of these things have an impact on where the next generation start. Mm-hmm. And I'm an advocate for saying the next generation should never be starting from zero because I know people, obviously because of what I do, who've received an inheritance and it's enabled them to clear debts, to put down a deposit on a home, yeah. to fund university fees, to buy a car, to fund a business. Um, and that's because they've got capital behind them that has been received from an inheritance. Yeah. Now, if you... If you don't have that, it means you have to start from scratch. It makes things much harder. Oh, God, I'm smiling. Just you said all those things. Like, can you imagine that? Yeah. No university fees. Yes. Having a deposit just there for you. Yes. Wow. I can't, like, I can't even imagine how that would look. I would love to be able to do that for my children. It's achievable. It's achievable either through um, making a will, because there'll be advice inbuilt into that um, with regards to making sure if you know you have if anything was happened to you not only have you determined who your benef- who your guardians are going to be for your children but it might be that alongside that you decide actually i want you know my guard i want my children to have something so i might um contribute towards you know either savings or, or contribute towards investments of some types to ensure that whatever happens you know when my kids are 21 there's money for them to go to university whatever it may be now that will go down the the aisle of financial advice which is interwoven 
or connected to wills and estate planning, which is set though it's separate, but you wouldn't sit down in front of somebody who's preparing to write your will and they point out to you actually you should consider A, B and C. Um, and that would get you on your wealth journey or get you to wherever you aspire to be a lot more quickly than just thinking, well, if I exchange time for pay, that's how I'm going to get there. You know, a financial advisor might say, well, actually, if you put your money into this, your money will be working with you alongside mm-hmm. you going to your job and also um, working, getting paid per hour, getting paid, you know, your monthly salary. So I haven't explained it as succinctly and as clearly mm-hmm. as I like, but the point that I'm trying to make is generational wealth comes from making sure that you set up yourself to be financially secure personally and your family also, number one. And number two, that any wealth you accumulate, you transfer it tax efficiently. And you will do that with, you know, somebody such as myself, an estate planner, someone who specialises in wills and estate planner, but you'd also maybe do that with a financial advisor as well. Can we do this, all this paperwork with one person or do you need to have two separate professionals you would normally have two, I would say. So I specialise in wills and estate planning. So I would assist with having the will drawn up. Um, but then based on the information that you provide to me, I would say it would be a good idea for you to speak to a financial advisor. They might right. be able to help with A, B or C. So okay. but I don't want you to feel overwhelmed because you keep saying paperwork and there isn't, <laughs> there, you know, there's not mountains and mountains. You know, the paperwork's all in my end. It's not really yours. Yeah, no, my fear is so real. <laughs> It's it's not. The final papers that you'll be left with would be your will, okay? And that will be however many pages, depending on what what your wishes are. But there's not a lot of paperwork that's required from you. The the biggest thing that's required from you are your thoughts, really, um, in terms of who do you want to be your beneficiaries, i.e. who do you want to inherit the things that you own, your money, your savings, your property, etc. Or it might be, yeah. I suppose you have to be in a space then to even take that on like mm-hmm. like you know like a good headspace who do I actually want to be guardians of my children and yeah. that 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 takes a bit of thinking doesn't it yeah it, it depends but yes it does because it, it does because on the one hand you don't want to think about it mm. but not really if it, it would depend on what your circumstances if you have friends and family that know your children well um, then actually it's an uncomfortable thought. But, you know, actually, if anything happened, I would want these people to look after my children because they would raise them in a similar way or they have a good relationship with those children. They would raise them according to my values. I know that they would look out for my child. They're the thoughts that you're thinking, OK? And so you would just think, who would, if I wasn't around, who would it be that I want to look after my kids? And you don't have to sit in that for forever and a day, OK? You just you just base it you you make that decision or you think about it based on your relationship with people now and the relationship that they have with your children now. You know, it's not to say that they will be, but it's to say if the worst does happen, these are the people that I want to you know to look after my kids or to look after my child. I think when when we did ours, one of the things that it was it was good to talk through, but also I think we then identified that there were differences. So my husband's um was like well you know I think you have like a list of people right so if this person if this person is not available then it will be this person or if this person is not alive then it will be that person and I think putting that list together it was good to talk through that because there was did you clash to get clarity sometimes you think oh, it'll be, for me, it'll be this person. And then yeah. your husband's like, well, actually, no, I'd want it to be this person. Exactly. You know? That's exactly what happened. So it wasn't so much a clash. It was just like, well, I thought logically it would just be this person. And he's like, well, mm. no, it's not. And then we had to talk mm. through that. Mm. But if you never have that conversation yeah. and then, you know, something happens and sides of the family maybe are not aware of something, that could be, mm. you know, that could be problematic. Mm. So it is, it's a... It's a good one, I think, just to just to talk through. Once it's done, you know, um, you know, it's done, and you do feel like, okay, that's settled. You know, yeah. I know, yeah. I know what everything looks like. Yeah. Um, the other thing I did want to ask about, and I know Rachel, you were saying about, um, you know, sort of looking at how you do things tax efficiently. Yeah. Um, trusts. Yes. So we have a will, but I don't remember doing the paperwork to get it 
into a trust and we've got like properties and stuff and we were like yeah okay so you know we've got a property for each child and things like that but it it doesn't quite work like that if it's not in a trust right no so it it depends all right so if I all right before I I want to jump onto that first uh, to do with trust but let me just go back to the key things for somebody to consider when it comes to making a will because I don't want to jump to trust and confuse people even more because trust may or may not apply to everyone okay so the key considerations um, for making a will as a mum, if you have a child who's under 18, it would be who would be a guardian mm-hmm. or guardians um, if you and your husband or your partner were to pass away. So the people that have legal responsibility now, you know, if one of them goes, dies, then this, the other person, the husband, the partner, the spouse, whoever it may be, they would then take over with legal responsibility or continue on with it. If both of them passed away, that's when the appointment of guardianship becomes relevant. So or that's if you're a single loan If you were it would depend on if you're because you just because you're single, it doesn't mean that you're the the father or the mother doesn't have parental responsibility of that child as well. If there are different arrangements in place as a result of um family court decisions. So I'm talking about um not just custody but um who has parental responsibility. So it depends on who has parental responsibility. If both of you do, but you are a single parent, um, normally, depending on what the court has determined, it would go to the other parent who doesn't live with the child, but they have parental responsibility. If there is no other parental responsibility and it just vests with the single parent, okay, then they can make a choice of guardian. If there is somebody else who has parental responsibility, they would take over raising the child. But in, if they weren't around, if they'd passed away, if they declined, if they were unable, then that's when your appointment of guardian would be effective. OK, so I don't want people to think that just because they're a single parent, that they could stop their partner from being the legal guardian of the child if they passed away. That would be subject to court orders or there being some reason. Um, for the um, other parent not to be appointed as the guardian. Do you follow? Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So guardianship, key for all dope black mums with children under the age of 18. Second, it is um, beneficiaries. So these will be the person or the people who would inherit your estate. Now, if you were a single parent, for example, it may be um, that you say everything to my children equally. Yeah. Or everything to my child, absolutely. Or you might say, if you are married or in a relationship, everything to my spouse, my civil partner, or to my partner. I would always want there to be another layer of beneficiaries then, to say if that first choice of beneficiary or persons weren't available, such, you know, they had passed away or, you know, they declined, unlikely, who would inherit in their absence? Okay, so would that be grandchildren? Would that be children after the spouse or partner has passed away? Or would that be somebody else? Um And depending on how young the family is, you may want another tier of beneficiaries. So they're the the key things that you want to think about. Next, you want to think about who your executors will be. An executor is just the, I say just, it is a really important role, but it's the individual or the people who'd be responsible for winding up your estate when you die, okay? So they would be the person who'd be writing to the bank to let them know that you've passed away and what is the value of any accounts that they have with you at the time you passed away. If you have property, they would be the people who would get the property valued. Um, If you were in receipt of a pension, okay, they would be the people that would contact the Department of Work and Pensions and the other private pensions if they existed to, to alert them of the death and then to find out if there were any benefits that were payable to the estate. So the executor does all the administrative work to get the estate valued, to find out what assets they have in their value and what liabilities they have in their value. So if there are mortgages, what's the outstanding balance? Are there credit cards, utility bills, overdrafts that, are, that need to be repaid from the estate? They'll also be responsible for um, completing forms for revenue and customs because the, the tax man wants to know what it is the deceased person owned um, and they want to know if there's any inheritance tax that's due. So the executor is a really important role. There's no conflict if an executor is also a beneficiary. So it might be that you say your spouse or your partner or your child is a beneficiary. They could also be a, an executor as well. 
for me, I always tell people that they should, in terms of thinking of the executor, they should think about somebody who's good at administration, somebody who's trustworthy, and just somebody who is sensible, because they'll be dealing with the assets of the deceased, they'll be responsible for liaising and doing the admin work and the legwork and the donkey work, dare I say, on behalf of the estate, and then they'll be responsible for distributing the balance according to the terms of the will, so to the to, to the beneficiaries. Anybody can be an executor as long as they're over 18, as long as they have sound mind. Ideally, you want somebody who hasn't been declared bankrupt, okay? You want somebody who's good with money, someone who's trustworthy, like I've said, and, and that's fine. It doesn't have to be a professional, but I always do encourage it because there are, I've skimmed over it, but there are quite a bit of legal and financial responsibilities that uh, an executor will take on. And if they don't fulfill their duties properly, then they can be personally liable. But that's all I wanted to say about executors. And then finally, in relation to, uh, this is at the Rachel Odetterton show, I'll I'll stop in just a moment and get to trust, but you can ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Oh my God. Carry on, carry on. I'm taking notes. (laughs) And then I was going to say, um, and then also they should, come to any meeting when it comes to getting the will drawn up with details of their estate and an estate is just a fancy way of saying really the money you own at the date of death your savings it's property for most people it's property and savings okay money in the bank accounts but there could be life insurance policies that maybe haven't been written in trust there could be other investments stocks and shares there might be additional properties but you come to the meeting with all of that information and whoever you were sitting with will sit you down and explain to you how inheritance tax would be applied to your estate and how it works. And this is really important because that's when you're going to start looking at tax efficiency and whether there's anything you can do to negate any tax liabilities that are potentially on the horizon. Okay, but for most people, it'll be guardians, beneficiaries, executors and the value of your estate. Everything else um, you would be able to answer normally during a meeting. Okay, they're really the key points the key considerations that you'll have to know and have to have a think about in order to be to have your will drawn up okay next moving on to trusts so trusts are essentially a way that are a tool that lots of people use because for a variety of reasons it might be for tax efficiency purposes it might be to take advantage of um, inheritance tax reliefs and exemptions it may be to protect and to preserve assets for future beneficiaries and there are different types of trust that exists now trust can be made in your lifetime so you can put assets into a trust while you're alive or you can put assets into your into trust under your will so they would take place on your death now for most people putting assets into trust during their lifetime it's because actually their inheritance tax liability is such that they know that if they were to pass away today they would pay their estate would pay inheritance tax they want to start reducing the amount of tax that could be due so they may pay into trust now the reason that it's paid into trust rather than given to somebody outrightly is because for whatever reason it may be best for assets not to exist in the estate of a beneficiary um, when would what when would that be happening so so that would happen if if you make a will or if you give somebody money now during your lifetime or if you make a will dealing with your assets what and you say everything's to go to my spouse everything's to go to my children equally or you give some money to your spouse now to your children now as soon as you give it to them it becomes theirs and they own it, and they could be responsible or irresponsible with the money. It has nothing to do with you because you've given it to them and it's theirs to do with as they wish, okay? Okay. If you're transferring it into trust, actually now what will happen is that asset um, is going to be managed and distributed or held by the trustees, okay? So the trustees are people that you would appoint to manage the trust and they will operate that trust and the assets within the trust in the best interest of the beneficiaries, okay? So because it's within the trust and this would, loosely speaking, because there are different types of trust, the beneficiary who may be entitled to it or may have to ask the trustee assets from the trust he doesn't own those assets while it's generally speaking may not own the assets while they are sitting in the trust so a good example would be if somebody has a child who has learning difficulties or a child who is disabled 
or a child who or a, a, a beneficiary who might be irresponsible with money because of drug addiction, gambling mm. addiction, etc. And they know if they were to leave money to that beneficiary, it's likely the money would be squandered either because they didn't really understand the value of it owing to their disability or they might be easily influenced or make bad decisions because of their addictions. Okay. So rather than giving the money directly to the beneficiary, it could be placed into a trust and you might say appoint a professional trustee or not, or you might appoint people you trust to manage the trust, like your parents, your siblings, good friends, an accountant to manage it on the basis that they give money directly to the beneficiary if they think it's in their best interest to do so, or they purchase things for the beneficiary, for example, if it's in their best interest to do so. Okay. The impact of that is that it keeps money out of the individual who may squander it, okay? Um, And it ensures that whatever needs to be bought, for example, can be bought rather than going through the beneficiary who may spend the money because actually they need they're going to use it to go and gamble on the horses or they're going to go and use it to buy drugs. In the case of the disabled beneficiary, they know that perhaps if it's given to them directly, that money will be squandered because they don't appreciate the value or further still, it might be that given the money to the beneficiary directly who has a disability, then would affect any means-tested benefits that they have. Okay, so means-tested benefits is, would be based, they that disabled beneficiary might be receiving government support um, uh, that is subject to the amount of capital they have. And, you know, yeah. they may receive it because they don't have a lot of capital, whereas if your will then leaves them a vast sum of money or a sum of money that is beyond the threshold, for them to receive means-tested benefits, their entitlement to that benefit stops. If instead it's transferred to the trust, okay, it would be then that it's not in the hands of the beneficiary. Um, and the same with, so so that's trust generally. They are a way for money to be held or assets or property, whatever it may be, capital assets to be held within this vehicle, the trust. It doesn't belong to the beneficiaries. It is but it's for their benefit. It's just that the trustees will determine if and when and how much, if at all, the beneficiaries will receive. And they'll make that decision in light of the personal circumstances of the beneficiary at the time. OK, can I, can I ask a question? You can. <laughs> um, can the guarantor, the guarant, yeah, the guarantor, the executor, the executor of the executor estate. and mm-hmm. the trustees mm-hmm. all be the same people yes they can so your executor can also be a trustee and a guardian they could be a guardian as well okay they could be a beneficiary as well i wouldn't want there to be just one if i'm honest with you and i always encourage where you have minors um that you want to have that you know at least two executors or two trustees so that they would be acting as a check and balance for each other to make mm. sure any funds in the estate are you know, um, uh, manage properly, you know, whether that's accumulated via investments or whether that's, you know, providing, you know, being given to the guardians to raise the children, just so that it's just not one person solely responsible, unless you're really happy and satisfied that this one person, you know, would do an excellent job. Okay, thank you. Um, So going back to your point, Ifelma, it depends on the wishes of the person making a will as to mm. whether a trust is a useful resource to make yeah. use of for the beneficiaries of the estate. So that's, right. that would be done on like a case by case basis. It depends on what you want to achieve. It, it might depend on the value of your estate. Okay. Um, so there are lots of varying factors to take into consideration. But I will say overall, I think trusts are a wonderful mechanism um, I think they're a wonderful mechanism for keeping assets in the family and down the bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're a wonderful mechanism for ensuring money isn't squandered um, because there's lots of things that can be done with them. They're really flexible. They're different types. And I've, I've loosely spoken about a discretionary trust, but there are other types um, of trusts that are available. And they're just a really good way to, as a parent, I will say, I think they're a really good way to make provision for your spouse or your partner whilst ensuring that your children would will still inherit Uh even if you even if your partner or your husband outlives you okay Uh they're just because I see you know oftentimes children get disinherited this is normally when 
adult parents have passed, one of them might have passed away. So you've got a parent who's in their 80s. They've inherited everything from the first spouse who died. Um, and then the intention normally would be for the children then to inherit equally. But this older spouse may now go and get remarried. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that might, that would invalidate or, you know, revoke existing wills or previous will. And the oldest. Oh, right. Right. So, so yeah. the older, you know, the elderly mum is widowed. Yes. Yeah. Her husband has died, you know, the elderly father. The elderly mum may go and remarry. And, you know, now she may make a new will and leave everything to the new husband. Or if she doesn't make a will, the old will, if they've never made a will, then the husband stands, the new husband stands to inherit, you know, all or some of the right. estate. I get you, um, disinherited. Yeah. And so the, the children from the first marriage may receive nothing, even though it was part of their father's estate when he died. And it, oh, wow. he, the presumption. That's awful. Yeah. So this is quite common, um, to be honest with you, with, you know, because older couples remarry and, and why should, what older people remarry and why shouldn't they? But it has an impact on um, inheritance, perhaps potentially for for, ch- for adult children at that age, because you'll have adult children who will be in their 50s and 60s. And now they, they're not going to receive anything because, mm. you know, their mum might have remarried or the dad might have remarried or, or whatever it may be. So trust are really, trust would be a way to circumvent that um, right. potentially in the future. And so, yeah, that's all I really wanted. That's all I want to say about that, because I don't want to go into too much detail because it's a lot to go through if we haven't, if you haven't been brought up to speed. But mm. what I'm trying to bring home to you is that wills are really important and you shouldn't be scared about making a will. The fear comes because we have not normalised things like talking about wealth, talking about making your will, which is a part of pr- providing and creating and sustaining wealth in black households and across the black community collectively for a variety of reasons. So that's why we get overwhelmed. And I see it all the time when I have meetings, if I'm meeting with couples who are black or an individual who's black, there's almost no prior knowledge of what you need to do about making a will. There's a lot of education involved. Mm. Whereas when I meet with non-black families actually the education is far less because they would have been recipients of it they would have seen it within their family somebody passed away and there was a will they'll be familiar with inheritance tax so there's less barriers you know it's just a normal part of life it's a normal part of being an adult you know you you buy a property you have children you accumulate savings you have a job you make a will it's just not anything amazing or or new it's standard and that's not the case with with black families and I really want to see that really want to see that change because it's not anything to be afraid of it's actually I would actually say it's really good for your financial health it's really good as something to teach your children um it's really good to have these to have these conversations you know and it 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 will it will it will improve the household because I think um if former you was mentioning about you you and your husband speaking about the appointment of guardians and it was good to have that conversation when you make a will you will be talking with your spouse or your partner, if that's relevant to you, about finances as well. And actually, it's good to have that kind of conversation as well. You know, where do you want to go? What do we want to do? What are, you know, what, what, because you'll realise actually we're both working really hard so that our children don't maybe have to work as hard as us or or our children start from, you know, have more than we had. You know, our parents did the best they could. We're doing the best we can. And that'll be to bring our children further along. And actually, you'll start to, all right, this is, it will just help to, you know, see the two of you together more closely because you'll actually realise we have these goals. Let's stay on the course and let's let's achieve these things. Yeah, All right, I'm gonna please please talk. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've just taken over. Please talk to me. <laughs> it's really been helpful. Thank you. It doesn't feel as scary. And that last point that you're saying about you know, on black clients, it's just not even like a right of passage, it's just normal. Yeah. That's what I would like it to feel like, because I know my fear, if I had adult children, which I don't, or kind of teen children, could make it a fear for them. Mm. If you get what I mean, if I talk about it, it being this big, scary thing with all this paperwork, and you've just told me the paperwork doesn't exist. If I keep on having those fears, and that's what I think of it, you know, I could pass on to my kids and they could think, oh, this is big and scary. So it 
it is good. It, it, it should be normal. Yeah. It should be part of our daily planning and, yeah, part of our adulting. It, it, it should be, and I just need to get into it. Don't beat yourself up. This is why these are, it's really good to have these conversations because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You haven't had, you know, the benefit of someone showing you the way, you know, and we know the reasons for that, but you are just trying to be better and do better, you know, and so that's why it's great that, you know, I'm speaking about it. Uh, but I'm just here to let you know it's it's really not anything to be afraid of. Go into it with an open heart. The process doesn't take long, okay, but it's lit literally invaluable you will learn so much and you will feel so much Mm. better um and you know uh there's just so many myths around it and I'm just I just want to demystify it it doesn't tempt fate okay it's just part of being a responsible parent okay um there's it is in fact it's oh god I saw I'm I'm sure I read somewhere that actually making your will extends your life simply and that might be me reaching but I'm sure I read somewhere stressed about it (laughs) exactly and also because you now have more goals you know you have more clarity and you also have motivation yes um that's true uh another myth is that it's really expensive um it's yes. not Ooh, i will let's get talk. to prices okay yeah. let's let's talk, let's talk I, money let's let's talk money um it, so my my fees if you wanted to make a will with me if you are a single person the cost of making a will is 350 pounds okay if you're you a have couple, to pay that all in one go can you pay that in installments it would normally be it would normally be in one go yes okay and if you're a couple, but that can be paid with, I was going to say with cash or credit card. And I was thinking, no, I'm not trying to get people, you know, into debt. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's £350 if you're single. If you're a couple, it's £550 currently. Um, okay, and is that quite standard then? Or your yeah, yeah, about, so I think, you know, it depends on where you go. But generally, yes, it's quite, you know, generally, yes, I'd, I'd say it's quite standard. But, you know, I would also say people, you know, feel free to, feel free to look around. Research. Yeah. In terms of, cost though I would say it's more expensive for you not to have a will okay and this is where I want it you know it's the cost and benefit thing don't think of it as oh my gosh this is a few hundred pounds think of it as you are potentially preventing family fallout because you haven't made a will and now the whole family's gone to pop because they're arguing over everything Mm -hmm. and the relationships are never going to be you know the same as what they were it's true I see it happen all the time Think of it as, oh, you know, even if you think I don't have a lot of money, I know people who have had a parent, you know, someone close to them pass away and that individual have, you know, less than a thousand pounds in the bank, maybe just over a little, um, over a thousand pounds in the bank, which would be appreciated by, you know, nieces and nephews or by children because they haven't got a will. They now, the banks won't release the money to them and they now have to get a legal document called a grant um, of letters of administration or something else. It's a legal document they need to obtain that says they are authorised to handle the assets of the deceased. But the cost to get that legal document and the process are would effectively make it worth it. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so it cancels it out, not including the time it would take because you're not just going to get it for that bank account. You've now got you've got to do a all the legwork across the entirety of the estate in order to be able to get that you've still got complete forms for revenue and customs so the cost of a few hundred pounds has kept your children from a few hundred thousand pounds a few hundred pounds or a thousand pounds okay so it's never it's never just about the cost it's about the benefit to your family and I assure you it's greater than whatever the cost of the will is okay wherever you find it whatever you know whoever you use it it's it's valuable to have the will than to not have it because it will cost you, it will cost your family more emotionally in terms of relationship um, if you don't have it. Yeah. 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 I really so, hear that. So, and another one, um, which I probably touched on is, you know, a lot of people think I'm, I'm too young. Listen, I'm an advocate for making your will. Um, obviously because of what I do. Um, or they might think, you know, I don't have enough by way of assets. I want to, you know, accumulate more. Um, if you're a mother, and I'll, 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 you know, I'll focus this in on, you know, dope black mums. Really, the fact that you have a child and your child is under 18 is reason all by itself enough. just yeah. to make the will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so, you know, I hope I've dispelled some myths or at least got you thinking about how. You have. Um, yeah. You have, yeah. Also, the other thing I wanted to say was, if there's something stopping you, you know, you have a bad relationship with your ex, you're concerned about how you're going to provide for, you know, your children and your partner or your husband who may or may not be, you know, your the father of your children. I promise you there's almost always a solution in wills and estate planning. So doing nothing is just not necessary. And dare I say, it's just not acceptable. I don't want you to think that your situation is too difficult for there to be a resolution. Then almost always is. OK, so just don't be afraid. Just reach out and, and take that first step. Um, That's such a good point. Thank you for saying that. And, and thank you for saying it's unacceptable. It's so easy to hide mm-hmm. with these things. And it's so easy to, to make that the, the reason you hide mm-hmm. that you saying that there's all these different solutions mm. there really is no option mm. now mm. we just have to do it yeah yeah just just reach out and just just find out before you know before you write it off as a as a no just find out you owe it to yourself you owe it certainly to your children um just to just to look that little bit more and then you know come back when you're ready but i promise you it doesn't take long which is another myth literally um once you're in a position to sit down and say, you know, I've thought about these things. And often it's just a case of starting to think about them because then it will all start, sort to fall into place or raise questions for you, which you would then bring to me or whoever's preparing your will to get those answers to. Um, once we have that main meeting and you've received that advice, you know, it can be done. You can, I don't want to, I, I, you know, I say to people, you'll have your draft will within 14 days. They'll often get it within a couple of days, you know, so it can be done so, so quickly. And then it's right. just, off your to-do list you know it's causing you all this angst and stress and worry and actually it's because the worry is it's the lack of knowledge and it's the fear of the unknown and I'm saying just get to know get a little bit of knowledge and you know and then you can take next steps and I I suppose the only hold up with your 14 days could be us right us finding the guardians and who we want to be the executors and having that talk having that talk like Fuma said having that talk with our partners yeah. or our loved ones yeah. and then actually going asking them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then getting that list of, of your day ones, your people that, you know, your ride or dies. Yeah. That yeah. could be a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's bring in some colloquialisms. Yeah. Yeah. Day ones, ride or die. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why that basically yeah. I was thinking that's what I've taken away from this. It's yeah. really having a think of who in your life, because all those names, all these um, titles of the executor, mm. the trustees, the mm. guardians, mm. who are those people in your life? Mm. And if you're single, having a think about what that means for you. If you're with partner, having a think about, and like you said, Afoma, you two had different ideas, which you had to come, had to yeah. navigate and come to understanding. So that having that talk, should we have that talk before you come and see you or... I would I would suggest it um, because then you if it brings up anything you can then bring it to the Mm. meeting which can be helpful because oftentimes you know people don't have that talk and then I'll say okay so you know have you thought about who you want to be guardians they'll be like yes and they're giving me different names and then now they're having this conversation about well actually I prefer this person and it's like Mm. oh Rachel we need to think about it some more whereas if you have it initially it's not that you will have an answer, but now you can come to the meeting and say, look, we've thought about it, but, you know, I want to be my brother and my husband wants it to be his brother as well. What should we do? And that's where you get the guidance to say, okay, you know, what about this or what about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would suggest it's always good to talk about these things before if you can. That's it. I think that's going to be my my first step, writing that list. And even if you just have a list of people that you trust, yes. you, when talking out the special like yourself, you could assign and say, well, maybe they would be the best person to, mm-hmm. to do that and do this. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you so much for the Rachel show. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, I mean, you just shared so much, your expertise, your knowledge, so clearly. Thank you. Um, I've taken a ton of notes and obviously got it on the podcast. So I just really appreciate and you do this full time, so I appreciate you sharing all your knowledge with us. No, um, no. And this is obviously your your livelihood. So, 
thank you thank you so much and maybe we need to come back again and just touch on a few other things because still feels like there's so much that we could talk about yeah it's a big Um, topic it is it is and I'm thank you for having me I'm just so thrilled because um I'm a black woman I obviously I'm on dope black mums um I'm you know black British African and this just is so close to my heart because you know you, you know they there's that bible um phrase that says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge like mm. we, we need to get this information out it's so important it's I think it's life-changing I think it has the impact to you know, this information can turn you into somebody who starts generational wealth within your family, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that regardless of where you are currently, um, because things can change if you have the right information and if you have the knowledge. So I'm just pleased to be able to share that with you. Um, and I hope it resonates with a lot of people. I hope it gets people to think. Um, I'm, you know, you'll have my details. So, you know, that's great. Um um, you can also sign up to my newsletter and that's where I just share tips and advice and help and things that you should think about, which I think would be really good for people who are not on the fence. They know it's something they need to do, but perhaps need some coaxing or just want to know a little bit more before they before they jump in and make their wills. But mm-hmm. so, so that's available too. But, you know, this is information to not be scared of. It's actually information to embrace because it will enrich you literally mentally and financially and your your family your loved ones will just be will just be grateful and will be forever changed because this is now once you do it this will be something that you impart to your children and you will tell them they need to do when they get older and that's how we because generational wealth isn't just the money in our bank accounts it's also the knowledge that we pass on you know yeah as black people we tell stories you know we we a lot of our information is is told orally and this should be part of the stories that we tell orally to to further us the knowledge and the mindset I think if we get our next generation thinking in this way as well it passes down too isn't it yeah thank you thank you so much (laughs) the Rachel show is over feel free to chop out all you need to chop out okay (laughs) (laughs) dope black moms If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.